In 1521, at the Diet of Worms, Martin Luther was asked to recant his writings. Luther responded, Unless I am convinced from the sacred scriptures that I am in error, I cannot and will not recant. Here I stand, I cannot do otherwise. God help me. Amen. Will you stand with us as we proclaim these Reformation truths in the 21st century? You can take your stand by becoming a monthly or annual contributor to Issues Etc. Find out the benefits of becoming an Issues Etc. confessor, apologist, reformer, or patron on the Support Donate page at issuesetc.org. Click the picture of Martin Luther posting the 95 Theses. Help us proclaim the solas of the Reformation. Scripture, faith, grace, and Christ alone. Here we stand, Issues Etc. and you. Christians, if you want to protect your children from this, you need to develop right now a pretty healthy understanding of civil disobedience. You cannot be a soft presence here in Sodom and expect your children to be okay. We have seen this huge increase in pet ownership in our country, and I think some of it is this desire for women to continue to mother someone or something, and pets have become really a surrogate to that because of the fact that we've decided that children are not the best way in which we ought to live our lives as women and mothers anymore. Read through the whole New Testament and all the explicit passages about baptism, and if you just, I think, ask that pretty basic question of Who's doing the work in this passage? Is it man or is it God? Universally, it's it's God doing the work. It's something that's happening to you. Our defense is the strength of God's word, the testimony of God's spirit in our hearts through that word, through his sacraments. In all these ways, God is preserving us in the faith and defending us against all of these snares. Lutherans at the Old Latin School in Lutherstadt Wittenberg love issues, etc. For many of us who have heard the pure gospel our whole lives, it's difficult to imagine what it would be like to hear this unfiltered, unadded to gospel for the first time. Welcome back to Issues Etc., coming to you live from the studios of Lutheran Public Radio in Collinsville, Illinois. I'm Todd Wilkin. Thanks for tuning us in. It's Issues Etc. Reformation Week. Our theme is Paths to Lutheranism. We're going to spend some time with Julie Stegemeyer hearing her story about her path from Methodism to Lutheranism. And then Pastor Jared DeBleek will join us and he'll tell us about his path from liberal Lutheranism to confessional Lutheranism. Julie Stegemeyer is a former Methodist, a Lutheran pastor's wife, a mother and writing coach. She's author of a column for the forthcoming Issues Etc. journal titled The Embodiment of Faith. Julie, welcome. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. What do you remember about growing up in a United Methodist congregation? Well, I have little snatches of memory, eating Cheetos in the balcony during church, for one thing, wearing little Easter dresses and being in Sunday school. The kids always had to leave the service to go to Sunday school, so that was a little bit different. But a lot of my memory from that congregation is related to the children's choirs that I was in. My mom led two of them, but there were actually three children's choirs at that church in the 70s and 80s. So I learned a lot from my mom, especially about singing and the faith. 
Do you remember what you learned in that congregation? In choir, my mom was always teaching us about using our hearts and voices to praise God. And she taught about the church year. She would always have a bulletin board telling us about the different seasons of the church year. And for my family of origin, what's most important to them about church is the music. So that's always been a thread through my years growing up and in that congregation as well. What was your first exposure to Lutheranism? I had a friend in high school who went to a youth group at an LCMS congregation. And on Wednesday nights, we would go to Bible study, but beforehand, we'd have a volleyball game. And then the Bible study came later, and I was never good at the volleyball, but I really enjoyed the Bible study. We had a vicar there. His name was Jim Strawn. He was so accommodating to me and my best friend because we just peppered him with theological questions. So we were kind of theology nerds even from when I was in high school. And during that time, I started to see a little different emphasis from my years growing up as a United Methodist. Instead of more of a social gospel, it was a message really based on grace through faith in Christ. So it was a much more focused message on Jesus. And the liturgy was a little bit new to me at that time, too. So that was also something I was exposed to there. You attended a Bible church during your high school years. What did you find there? Well, there, in that youth group, our pastor, the youth pastor, did a lot of Bible studies on the end times and discussed the rapture and the thousand-year reign, I think is what it's called. They had a lot of altar calls at that church, which I think was probably Baptist in their theology. But whenever they had altar calls, I was always so unsure of what to do. Wow, this is, seems so important that I go up there, but did my baptism as an infant, did it work? Was it enough? So those were some of the things that I gleaned from attending that church, maybe for a year or so. You write about going to a Billy Graham crusade. What was that like? Well, I worked at the time for a woman who was wheelchair bound. and She lived on her own, but she would have workers come in, young women, not really trained in caregiving, but she would just talk us through everything she needed. So she taught me how to garden and how to cook all by just instructing me in her backyard and kitchen. And the Billy Graham crusade came to Denver, was at Mile High Stadium. I think that was 1987. And I remember going in her van. I may have even driven it. But because she was wheelchair bound, we were placed on the turf of the field. So we weren't far from the stage. I just remember it being a really pretty sunny day and hearing Billy Graham speak and 
when they had their altar call, people just streaming down the stadium aisles to go up and pray the sinner's prayer. It was an interesting experience for sure. Tell us about a Bible study that you attended early in your college years and why you walked away from it so disturbed. I went to a free Methodist school in Seattle in my freshman year of college. And the Bible study was for students on a thorny topic, which I do not pretend to understand, which is uh, predestination. I remember hearing the pastor talk about the theological concepts and, you know, where this was coming from the Bible. and But I left with a lot of doubt because I wondered if, even if I believe in the gospel, even if I confess Christ is my Savior from sin, am I going to go to heaven or am I heading toward damnation? So it kind of caused a crisis of faith because it made me wonder who God is and what his posture toward us is. So it was kind of a come to Jesus moment because I didn't know who Jesus was or, you know, even though I'd grown up as a Christian and attended many churches. What brought you to attend a Lutheran congregation? Well, I was still seeking this church home, so where could I find it? I thought back to the experiences I had in high school at my friend's Lutheran church, and she had, by the way, gone to Concordia College in Ann Arbor, so she and I were still talking about theology and spirituality. I thought about that and decided to look up an LCMS congregation. And I didn't have a ride, so I had to ask someone, and they sent someone over from the church to give me a ride. And so I just started going there on my own, exploring what Lutheranism offered to the believer. You say that you heard the unfiltered and unadded-to gospel. What do you mean? Well, in my previous experiences in different congregations, I sensed that there were different emphases. You know, there was this emphasis in the Methodist Church on the social gospel and doing good works for the poor. And of course, that's a wonderful and important task of the Christian. It kind of overshadowed the main message of Christianity, which is that Jesus died for sinners. And so I also was confused about the rapture and these end times teachings. And I was also confused about all the altar calls and what the basis of faith is. Where does it come from? Is it from some emotional decision I make? And how does predestination add into all of that? And in this school, I was not allowed to dance, drink, or smoke, and I had to sign a promise that I wouldn't do that. So what I felt, so all of those thoughts were kind of jumbled around in my mind. And when I was at that congregation, this little church, I think it's 
now closed. But the pastor, who is probably near 70 years old, was in the pulpit. And I just remember this one morning hearing him preach the gospel, and it was just so simple. Just that Jesus died for me, rose from the dead, and the Holy Spirit creates faith within me. So I realized that the clarity of this message was what built more faith in me, because it's not about me or my emotions or my decisions. It's all focused on Christ and what he has done. That was my sense when I was at that church those first few weeks I attended there. Julie Stegemeyer is our guest. It's Issues Etc. Reformation Week. Our theme is Paths to Lutheranism. She's describing her path from Methodism to Lutheranism. And on the other side, she'll describe what it's like being a new Lutheran. This is Pastor Matthew Harrison, President of the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. The LCMS operates the second largest parochial school system in the United States. What can you expect from a Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod school? There's one race, the human race. And Jesus died for the sins of every man, woman, and child from every land and every nation. Life begins at conception. All life is precious from womb to tomb. And every student, parent, and teacher is created in the very image of God. There's right and wrong, and we know which is which from the Ten Commandments. There are only two sexes, male and female, he created them. Marriage is the lifelong union of one man and one woman. There's such a thing as objective, absolute truth, and it's found in the person and work of Jesus Christ and his word. To find a Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod school near you, visit lcms.org schools. We love our on-demand listeners. You're listening to Issues Etc. Join Lutherans for Life and Why for Life in Washington, D.C., Thursday, January 18th through Saturday, January 20th for the 2024 Why for Life Free Conference. Registration is open through December 15th. Learn more at why4life.org. Great events, speakers, and social time. The 2024 Why for Life Free Conference, January 18th through the 20th in Washington, D.C. Why4life.org. Welcome back to Issues Etc. Our series, Paths to Lutheranism. Julie Stigemeyer is our guest. She's author of a column in the forthcoming Issues Etc. journal titled The Embodiment of Faith. Julie, describe what it's like being a new Lutheran. Well, because of all the emphasis in my high school years on making decisions for Jesus, altar calls, I did struggle with the theological understanding of infant baptism. I remember learning a few things as I was a new Lutheran, and I grappled with this also when I met with the pastor at that little church before I was confirmed as a Lutheran. I really appreciate Luther's teaching that reason must bow to faith in the things that we don't understand. So 
if God says that the whole household came to be baptized, the whole family came for baptism, well, of course, that would include, could include infants. So how can I judge how God creates faith within me? After I kind of had that understanding, then I felt like my question, my searching, my ideas of my responsibility in making a decision, those things all just kind of fell by the wayside. And I could trust, just fix my eyes on Jesus and have regular church attendance and weekly communion and remember my baptism and that those were the things that would engender and, and increase my faith. I also met my husband during that time. What happened was I transferred to Concordia College in Ann Arbor, it was college then, and met Scott, my husband, and still was learning a lot. He was a pre-seminary student at the time, so he's always been the one I turn to when I have questions. So. I had a lot more questions even after I became a Lutheran, but over time, now over many years, I have this strong sense that it's a very simple message. We trust in Christ who died for us, who rose for us, and is still living, and that the Holy Spirit really sustains us in the faith. So those were some of the things I had to shift in my thinking. You say that your journey connected you to the Church of the Ages transcending time and space. What do you mean by that? I think mostly what I was referring to there were really the blessings of the liturgy. And while the churches I attended had some sense of structure and were you know, maybe followed the order of the divine service in maybe a similar pattern, you know, like a gathering and a, maybe some Bible readings and a sermon and prayers. So there was always that kind of structure, but it's very loose. And as I've gotten older, what I've really appreciated is the importance of the liturgy in our Christian practice because it ties us to the ancient church and to know that Christians have been practicing their faith in these ways through the elements of the liturgy, it's reassuring to me that I'm not just kind of going solo. And Scott and I went to the Mediterranean this past summer and I've been to churches in other countries before then, Guatemala and Mexico and Japan. But to be in the Mediterranean where Christianity kind of sprang and started to grow, that was a really kind of a life-changing experience because we went to Rome and to Athens and Istanbul and a few other places seeing these churches that were so ancient and even being in the Hagia Sophia, even though it's a mosque now, just absorbing that kind of the weight of the Christian faith being practiced in those communities for so, so many years, really helped me to realize that Christianity is in 
in the United States is in its infancy still, but that we reach back to millennia and see the Christian experience and practice from all of those believers over 2,000 years. So I feel like my faith was really strengthened by that because I have these sisters and brothers in Christ around the world, and it's a global church. So that was really what I was intending to mean there, was that I have a strong connection to my faith and the example and the encouragement of Christians through the ages. What would you say to a person listening who's currently a Methodist, but they're having the same kind of doubts about the lack of emphasis on the gospel in their church, then of course in the United Methodist Church today, so many other problems with regard to their moral stands. What would you say to them? Well, I would say, of course, first, go to a Lutheran church, see what the emphasis is there. You're right, and when I was growing up in the United Methodist Church, it was a lot of those social issues were just kind of emerging. So I didn't have a strong understanding of any of that when I was really young. But I think, you know, a person who is, who can cling to the simplicity of the gospel message without sort of this undercurrent of the things we have to do to be Christians. I remember attending a United Methodist service and the verse that was reflected on was Micah 6, 8. And I can't quote it exactly, but it was, you know, like to show mercy and live with justice. I don't know, it would see these great principles of behavior, but that was the whole emphasis in the sermon. So it was all just about law and what we do, and no sense of the forgiveness of Christ and how our behaviors in serving our neighbors and living our vocations, how that springs from the gospel message. So I think for someone who might be coming from that background or another, I would say don't get turned off by something that seems different, you know, a liturgical experience or just something that you're not quite used to. And think about the the emphasis that you're hearing in sermons and in the worship itself. Julie Stegemeyer is a former Methodist, a Lutheran pastor's wife, mother, and writing coach author of a column for the forthcoming Issues Etc. journal titled The Embodiment of Faith. Julie, thank you. Thank you so much. Folks, you can read Julie's column in the forthcoming Issues Etc. journal along with my article, Yes, Elvis is Dead, But God is in His Heaven, a pastoral response to conspiracy theories by subscribing absolutely free to the Issues Etc. journal. Just go to our website, issuesetc.org, click the red subscription button, enter your email address, and we will send you the next Issues Etc. journal online absolutely free. When we come back, Pastor Jared DeBleck joins us. We're going to hear about his path from progressive Lutheranism to confessional Lutheranism.
Martin Luther on Mental Health, Practical Advice for Christians Today is the Issues Etc. Book of the Month for October. It's written by Lutheran layman Dr. Stephen Saunders, professor of psychology at Marquette University. Martin Luther on Mental Health is published by Concordia Publishing House, their phone number 1-800-325-3040, or learn more at issuesetc.org. The Issues Etc. Book of the Month for October, Martin Luther on Mental Health. Luther Academy provides additional theological education for our mission partners around the world, specifically pastors who are asking for additional education but do not have the necessary resources in their own church bodies. By donating to Luther Academy today, you will be supplying food, housing, books, professors, and travel for Lutheran pastors who attend our conferences. To learn more about Luther Academy and how you can donate today, visit lutheracademy.com. LutherAcademy.com. Real Reformation Radio. You're listening to Issues Etc. At Memoria Press, the Simply Classical curriculum is specifically designed for students with significant learning challenges. This complete program includes everything you need for a school, self contained classroom, tutoring, or homeschool to make a classical Christian education accessible for any child. To learn more, visit us at simplyclassical.com. And use the coupon code LPR24 at checkout. Simply Classical, a beautiful education for any child.